Hey everyone, you're now part of the B2B Power Hour and I'm your host, Nicholas Dickett. I'm Morgan Smith. We help sales professionals power up their sales skills from first touch to revenue, one hour at a time. Join us for weekly live shows and interviews with industry experts breaking down what works and what doesn't in the remote sales era. Now, on to today's episode. I believe it's time for us to go and dive into a little enterprise of social now that we've warmed up the chat. We got all these brilliant people here with us. And there's this one question that keeps coming up. And I feel like Chili Piper is the perfect company to answer. And is how do you get leadership on board to do social right? What do you think, Mario? Let me kick us off. I think um, particularly for us, when it comes to social, it wasn't really a challenge. So I feel like when I did my interview process, they were interviewing me, but I was also interviewing the leadership. And I always knew since I started talking to them that they were in when it comes to social. Like I have so much support from my leadership when it comes to everything related to social. And I feel that that's for everyone in this company. So it wasn't really a challenge for me, uh, like getting Nicola Alina, you know, being on board with the company, being on social or everyone in the company. Uh, it's been a challenge before though. I don't know if I can talk about that a little bit. I used to work um, on a marketing agency and it used to be very hard to get people to understand, particularly being on an agency. I think like companies, when they hire a third party, they're like, okay, we don't care about this, you know, do whatever. And that's when it gets complicated. I feel like when the leadership doesn't understand the value of social, it's, it's way harder. The way I used to get them you know, to be on board with social media and, and strategies in there was showing data, like everything. I, I mm. just go back there. Like, this is what's happening. This is what we could be doing. This is how much you could be making. And you are not because you are not on board with this. And I, I think that that's hard to, you know, like to battle with. When you go with data, it's just, yeah. First pops in my mind, like Jerry Maguire moment. Show me the money. <laughs> Once Show it's the there, <laughs> it's hard yeah. to ignore, right? Once you know. Yeah, I gotta I gotta give props to to Nicholas and Alina. Um, they're so in tune with it. I think it also was a bit of um, timing. I think timing is everything. So Nicholas originally stepped in um, to be acting CMO, and I think during that time, understanding like the marketing funnel a little bit more, and also our social media presence. I think it kept getting brought up more and more on calls. And he was very tuned into this whole idea of dark social and the dark funnel and how the way people are buying is changing. Um, and I think it is hand in hand with kind of what we preach here at Chili Piper, which is because of the rise of communities, the access to your peers, that by the time somebody lands on your website, they're more than like, they've done their research and they're actually ready to engage in a sales conversation. So it goes well along with like our story in terms of, hey, capturing that at the moment of highest intent right there when they're on their website and don't let that in between go through. But I think they just like really leaned into it. Uh, they were firm believers that a lot of the buying conversation happens outside of marketing attribution. And I think they, they came to realize that when they tried to attribute a lot of our pipeline or closed one revenue, and a lot of it came from direct or direct or organic traffic. And that's like really a lot of the journey happens way before they ever search Chili Piper or come onto our website. So I think they really leaned into that. Um, and then Marioli has done an amazing job. I know Dan has done such a great job with our social presence that it almost became too hard to ignore to the point where it's like, yes, we're ahead of the curve here. Let's actually double down and dive in before a lot of other B2B companies really catch on to this train of like how people are buying and we've invested so much in communities and tried to have that, that social presence as a fun, quirky brand. And it's really benefited us. So those are some of the reasons that come to mind in terms of how our leadership has like allowed us so much freedom and empowerment to really lean into the, the social game. I love it. Absolutely. And, and there was one of the comments that I remember about yourselves is like, when you hear Chili Piper, you possibly maybe don't know what they do just yet, but you definitely know the brands. And, okay, these are the cool people, the TikToks and so on. And it's amazing about B2B. It's like you might know what Microsoft does because your dad might have bought Microsoft. But for the newer brands like yourselves, I think it's absolutely crazy that you managed to do what you are into right now. I think it's great. 
I would love to be prospecting for you guys. Like how cool, like back in the day when, you know, you're in the bullpen calling, how cool would it have been to have your guys' social presence while calling? Hey, have you heard of Chili Piper? Yeah, I have. Would you like to sign up today? <laughs> <laughs> Was that that easy, Arthur? You come from the sales side. Is prospecting that easy for you guys due to your social presence? Um, it, yeah. Look, it, it definitely helps. Um, and I know since Marioli has come on, like our brand has really skyrocketed. So I'm, we hear it from the SDRs all the time of like people actually want to have these conversations. They're like, oh, Chili Piper. Yeah, I like saw your email or, oh, I see you everywhere on LinkedIn and social. So it, it definitely makes it easier. But to your point, Laura, that's where we start to come up across of the relevancy versus awareness issue, where people are aware of what we do, but they don't necessarily know contextually what it means to them. And they typically lump us in this scheduling software. But I think that's part of the toughest battle, especially when you're going cold outreach of like, can you at least have that person entertain the idea of the conversation simply by the brand you're calling from? And I think we, we have done a pretty good job of that based on what our SDRs have, have given us feedback on. Makes sense to me. Like you've done, no, some people might call it half the battle, but like when people at least know who you are, it's so nice to start that conversation with a little bit of trust. And then of course, like it comes down to the rep and their ability to have a great conversation, but that's a great starting point when they're like, yeah, I know who you guys are. I watch your tickies all the time. Like you guys are great. Or, you know, Arthur's everywhere, all over, doing all these different podcasts. He's brilliant. <laughs> That's your kind. <laughs> I think we need to talk about what blows my mind the most. What do you think, Laura? TikTok and the talent attraction program that you guys are running? Because oh I is... have never seen somebody use TikTok the way you guys do. But your guys' community in the comments is unreal. And it's so funny because I get people, the leaders that tell me all the time that no, nobody on B2B is on TikTok. TikTok is not the place for B2B. And then I look at your guys' TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe you should look at Chili Piper. Uh, yeah. I mean, we decided to test things on TikTok last year by the end. And we started like, you know, thinking of videos where we could showcase our products or try different things. It was a very, you know, just testing things on December. Uh, after having all those videos that we created on December, we decided that what we really wanted our TikTok to be was a channel to showcase our company culture and probably to attract talent. So that's mm -hmm. how it all started. And then we just started noticing the things that people were interested uh, about when we talked about Chili Piper. And those things that, you know, Laura said about the 50% female leadership, it's, it's a, there, there's a reason why it is in there that people feel very connected to this type of stats. As a woman, I can understand that. It's actually, I, it's one of the reasons why I joined the company. It's one of those posts that I saw before I actually applied. So I know that this can be very attractive for women. And then other things that could be in there, like, you know, about a remote work culture, that's very interesting. I found that there was a very great niche on, TikTok to talk about this things and and how you know we want to be the company of the future and how companies are doing this and how we can be better and and this new kind of new way of working. So mm -hmm. that's how we kind of created the strategy. It was like now we're going to talk about our company culture. We're going to highlight our benefits or what we perceive as our benefits, and then uh, made a commitment to showcase our diversity, which is something that's just in our DNA as a company. So that's why you see all these faces, all these people coming on board to, you know, be part of our tiki's. I just, I cannot not laugh every time I hear Nicola say tiki. <laughs> Marioli, who does your TikToks? Now you're saying people are coming on board and so on. Is there an overall strategy? We're doing it like that. And who is buying into the strategy to execute on it? I mean, um, it's me. And then we have Maria. She helps us create some of these videos too. And I think, you know, you can see both of us. We are the ones who make you know, the more videos. You can see the red hair and the one with the brown hair. And then <laughs> yeah. you see that everyone in the company, like everyone who wants to be part of a video, they, they can be in there. We created a framework to make it very easy for them to be on board. Nice. And I just, I, I felt like this was a way to change things. If we wanted to showcase our diversity, we needed people in the company to be on those videos that's amazing yeah yeah we've seen 
like great stats from this. We had over 1.5 million views by now in just this year. And then we drove uh, around 8,000 applications via TikTok. Damn. Sorry, one more time. How many? <laughs> 8,000. And we're talking, we are like at 250 employees now. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. I can see one of the comments saying, I'd like to work for you. <laughs> it's like a company to work for. Imagine what's going to happen in like half a year more. We get those videos now. Could you imagine doing that in an email campaign? <laughs> 8,000? <000? laughs> wow. I thought it was like, it'd be like 1,000 or 2,000. Like that is unbelievable. What is the sentiment when people reach out to you? Do you ever go through and see, like, do they really understand us? Do they, like, get our culture? Do you do any type of assessment on that? Yes. We get, like, a lot of comments related to the culture. You said something previously about how they say, like, maybe they don't know what you do, but they know about you. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happened. Sometimes they don't really understand what we do, but they want to be part of it. They're like, I don't know, this sounds fun. So I'm applying. I'm, I'm checking out what you guys have and, and maybe apply. Now it's crazy. We get, like, influencers talking about us like we were not paying them they're just like great companies to work for and th that didn't happen before it's happening now we have people in the comments like i've applied like 10 times so i'll keep applying until i get it and then we have people like dream company and things like that and that's something that comes from this presence that we have on tiktok now wow amazing it's it's absolutely crazy and you are on the spot where people are to, I mean, who would thought that somebody would be looking for a job on TikTok, but then you buy them in with your culture and then, oh, I want to search. I I, I want to be a part of this company. Well, so after scrolling all the cat and baby videos or whatever else that was, that's amazing. Arthur, on that note, we were discussing employee advocacy and social selling in those two. And that's kind of, we're twisting a little bit into that. What came first in Chili Piper? Oh, man, I, I think it's definitely employee advocacy. And even like going off of what Marioli was saying, I feel like we're, we're almost creating this virtuous cycle where people are seeing how much the employees like to work here and we're sharing about it. And then sometimes I mean, I feel even guilty of like, am I really hyping Chili Piper up that much? And then people come in and they're like, it's even better than what you explained. So it brings the type of people that are already resonating and want to have more of a voice and want to get more active on social. So they see that, then they come in, then they kind of join the train and then we have that more and more. So it, it really has become a virtuous cycle. And I think because of that, Laura, you actually said something that that was like amazing to hear from you of like, because people have now like attached some fun, humorous, quirky brand to us, it's like they're actually excited to get prospected by Chili Piper. And it's like, oh my God, like here it is. Like I'm getting something, which was so cool to hear from you because now I'm starting to get it a little bit more on the marketing side of getting prospected to. Before I was in sales and even a lot of people wouldn't prospect salespeople, but I'm starting to see that and it is pretty bland. But to your point, I feel like now I'm looking at who's it coming from. Maybe it's a specific company that's already been top of mind. And because we've had that focus on employee advocacy, it's really made social selling and a lot of all our other motions a lot easier and even getting employees to contribute to TikTok videos and LinkedIn. It's been it's been really cool. I don't need that a lot that people would say that that it goes that much hand in hand, but it makes total sense. Because if you love the company you are at, well, you just want to tell the world about it and not just reshare the blog or like, oh, I've got promoted to a senior level or something. It's like this is my social post. Like talk a lot about it and then get everything out, whatever you love about your company. Nice. Yeah. And I think there's like a mindset that comes from it too, right? Of like, we talk so much about like mindset and anything else. Mindset in sales is huge. So if you're getting people excited to come to work every day, that shows in their conversations. And then a lot of the time they'll even share that story of like, oh, I had a really cool prospecting call with this person. And it just really creates that virtuous cycle. So I think there's something to be said about the mindset of how you show up to work and then how that allows you to do your best work as well. I love that. And I think happy employees are one of the best marketing strategies out there, honestly. It's not only, we've talked about this in terms of higher productivity, lower attribution rates and whatever you want to talk about, but then you have people who are like your first champions. 
it's people who are living the culture, who know about the product, who know everything about this company, and they are your biggest fans. And when you have that, then it's easier, you know? It's like when you want to be friends with someone and that person, you know that it's like super friendly and all their friends love them. You know, like this is going to be, this is such a great guy, you know, this is such a great person because if all these people are in there and are close to this person and they love it, it has to be, there's something in there. Yeah. One thing I've been trying to figure out is like you get a lot of companies like Laura was hinting at earlier that it's the reshare or it's like the generic company stuff. But the one thing you guys do so incredibly well, it'll stop my scroll because it's not, it's Chili Piper plus the employee. It's almost like you've empowered people to go and own their identity. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like you get a piece of them and it's with you guys with that passion that drives it. Where does that come from? Is it just leading by example and people are learning because you're you're making it comfortable for them to post? Or do you got to like prime them and like give them like a doc of like, Hey, if you follow this, this is what can happen. Like, how do you guys do that? Because honestly, you guys are in the top, prob- I think it was like 2% of people I've seen on SalesNav that have posted on LinkedIn in the last 30 days for the entire company. Like, it's it's not even like a, your guys are doing well. It's like you guys are off the charts. Yeah. There's a culture of trust here. That's the first thing. We do not have like a dog telling people what they can talk about or not. I think that's actually what uh, has defined this success that we have with this because people feel like they can talk about anything and they truly can. Uh, like I said, I'm not creating, uh, I'm not writing copy for Arthur or everyone in the company, you know, to post, they post whatever they want. So that's the start of it. And then, yes, I think we lead by example. We create content, a lot of content, not only like what you see on social, but we have like a great content team uh, also creating all these assets that help them understand what they could be talking about. And then, yeah, of course, we, we post in the company account. They know that these are the topics that we're talking about and, and they, they, they feel empowered to do that. But besides that, I think something that we've done pretty well is having this group culture where we support each other. So we are all mm. about supporting each other's posts and, and commenting and talking about it in social. And I think that's actually the key to this success that people see. Like they feel comfortable to do it. And our job has been, you know, lead by example and also give them the tools if they ever need it. Like if anyone in the company wants to know how to post in social, I will talk to them and, and tell them about, you know, what I know are my best practices or whatever. But yeah, definitely we're not being rigorous with it like we're not telling anyone this is what you should be posting and i think when you see that freedom i always compare this to the way i was raised like i didn't have rules growing up at all and i grew up to be like a very methodical kind of very responsible kid even when i didn't have any rules in my house i had all the freedom to do whatever i wanted but i chose what i think you still think i i did you know good choices growing up so I think this is the same. People are making their choices because they feel empowered to do it. Yeah. I love this comparison so much, but how do I do <laughs> on my own kids? How do we remove those rules from now on? No, but the first idea that was born, actually, a lot of people ask me also once in a while, it's like, oh, how do you do social selling and dream data? Do you have any structure and so on? And what my answer usually is, well, we're small. It's really easy for us to do that because well, like we're sitting in the same room and, and there are no rules and you post whatever you like. And the beauty for me to hear you, Mariuli, say a similar thing about Chili Piper really refreshes me because I started to think, okay, when we scale larger, will there have to be rules? Because some companies live by rules, but for you, due to the culture that you've brought in, well, then it's easier to be that brought up kid without any rules and still be a very cool and decent human being <laughs> we got a question from the group to tie into this is your framework for getting employees on board available have you guys put this out in the world to go and uh, inspire social for other great b2b companies i mean not yet but i'm working on it Ooh, in the works stay <laughs> <Yes>. tuned <laughs> If you were to talk a little bit about that kind of onboarding framework, what do you put into that? Because there sounds to be some rules to onboard people into social. Good question. No, I mean, 
I wouldn't say rules. I would say only we're giving people instructions about how to do it in a better way. You know, this is particularly, this was a conflict for me. Like, how do I get, you know, I don't want to go to, I don't know, Arthur, who's super busy. And I, I'm telling him, you know, Arthur, I need you to record this video, take time from your super busy life and do this for me because it's going to be great for social. I didn't want to do that. So I was thinking how I can make it, I still want, you know, other pipers, I, I want them to be part of this, but I want to make it as easy as I can. So the framework for me was, uh, how do I do that? How do I make it easier? And I came up with this framework where I basically took the best of the TikTok trends and, and have them just record videos of them pointing at fans, for example, and make it super easy because they didn't have to do anything else more mm -hmm. than be on, the, on camera and do this. So this framework is more related to technical stuff. Like, hey, if you want to record a TikTok video, make sure you have good lighting. Make make sure this is uh, you're recording on vertical. So it's not anything about you should dress like this, you should do this or that. It's more like technical stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think give them great guidelines. Um, and to your point, Mariel, and Nolan does a great job with this too. I think there's two things. We make it super easy for the employees to contribute by saying, hey, here's a doc. If you want to yeah, be featured on our TikTok, just follow this and then upload it to this Google Drive. Everything else will be done for you. Then we have like social content that you can post. I think the other thing is a lot of our employees get to see what good looks like. And I think mm -hmm. so often, even in sales, that's like, hey, uh, yeah, you could have improved that cold call. And you're like, okay, how? And you're not really getting coached to that. Right. But if you have an example of saying, hey, these are our top three cold calls, listen to these, hear the tonality, hear the questions they're asking. Now, all of a sudden, I know what good looks like and I can start to copy that. I think because that virtuous cycle we talked about earlier, and any employee coming in has so many examples of what good looks like, whether it's like a long form post, whether I know AJ comes to mind with his memes, he's amazing at those. Right. And people say, OK, that's pretty funny. So I think there's so many examples there of employees saying, oh, that really resonated with me. I like the way that they've gone about telling that story or, you know what, I'm actually going to tell a longer story in this form. So I think one, making it super easy for employees to contribute. We have a chili love channel that a lot of people post their social posts there to get amplified. Uh, Nolan does a great job of getting our employees on board with some of our programs. But I think that that key is really what does good look like within the company? And they have so many examples in other pipers that they can lean on that really makes it easy for them to contribute. Absolutely. I think that after seeing what good looks like, they also see the results. They see that, you know, they both are going places and that people are paying attention to it. And maybe they see the benefits other employees are having just by having a social media presence. That makes it exciting for them too. And again, I also, I think it's part of the DNA of the company. Uh, maybe, I don't know, the people team have something to do with that. I don't know if they see those things in us. But yeah, it's just the culture we are in. It's all about sharing and, and hyping for each other. Yep. Look at this. Look how amazing this is. Chili Piper is rapidly becoming one of the companies I aspire to emulate. You guys seem to be doing everything right in terms of both marketing and valuing your employees. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. You guys are doing so many great things. And one thing I've seen that's really cool that a lot of companies can't say is you guys build raving fans. Like crazy and not in a bad way, like really great raving fans that just love you guys and they want to tell everyone. Was that like a happy accident? Was that like some planned like mad science that you guys have been working on behind the scenes? Or how are your social campaigns? making this happen yeah i can take a stab at it first to me i i like originally and i can maybe tell a story about how i came to to join chili piper it was really the product that um at the time i was experiencing the the biggest problem i think we solved which is um we we're selling a dentist at the time and they're submitting inbound requests and even if we were to get back to them within five minutes and try and call them we could never get a hold of them. And I remember typing in Rev Genius's community, like, how are people handling this situation? And somebody mentioned Chili Piper. 
And they actually introduced me to their Chili Piper rep. They put in a bunch of times within an email and it let me schedule it right then and there with one click. I didn't have to add in my name or anything because I already happened to be in the CRM of Chili Piper. And to me, I was like, holy crap, that was the smoothest booking experience ever. I want this for my prospects. So I think it starts a little bit with the product and, and it's a really great product and the problems it solves. And I also think it's somewhat of a, a hidden problem that not many B2B companies recognize they have where we're seeing that for those high intent demo requests, at best, 40% of those are making it to first meeting, meaning 50 to 60% of your pipeline never even, and these are people that are asking to speak to sales, never even get a chance to speak to them. And that's for a variety of issues, maybe sales taking too long, um, sinking and all of that. So I think once people see and across our portfolio of companies, we typically get that to like 80% plus. And that's where companies can make the claim that they doubled their inbound pipeline just by creating, having a smart calendar right after that form of high intent. They see it happening and they're like, holy crap, this is like within a month, I'm starting to see these results. I have to tell other people. And then it slowly starts maybe in their peer group and they're saying, hey, have you guys ever implemented Chili? But like, I'm seeing crazy results here and that slowly starts to happen. I think what we've also done a good job of is those people that are getting results, we're trying to share their, their case studies with the world. So we do a great job of capturing like video case studies, reposting it, and then trying to shower them with gifts. I think like most people probably have seen our hot sauce now. That seems to create a lot of raving fans and anticipation for that. So I think it's a combination of like the product really speaking for itself and having these results that people want to share. And then once we identify those champions from the, the woodwork, then we really try to put them front and center, whether it's with gifts, whether it's on our website, finding opportunities for them to speak on our behalf. That helps a lot. But yeah, what did I miss there, Marielle? I agree with both points. I mean, number one, yes, our product. I think it's easy to love uh, tools that make your life easier. Uh, your, you know, I mean, your life is a professional. It's just like, I love Slack. I love it. And I know it makes my life easier. So that's why. So I think that's, you know, the main reason, the product, of course. And then, yes, the second point. I think it's easy to root for people who are rooting for other people. Yeah. And that's part of our marketing strategy, particularly in social media. We love talking about other people. We love putting them, you know, in the center of the conversation. And I think that makes it even easier because people feel like, oh, they support other people so much. Let's support them. And that's how he has worked for us. I think it, it all goes back again to also our employees. I feel, again, you... I think this was even a strategy before with traditional marketing. You know, when you had like stores where people were smiling all the time, you wanted to get in. Like, I don't know how it was in your countries, but it wasn't mine definitely. Like the, the best restaurants had like, you see like everyone was smiling in there and you wanted to go and eat there because what, what's happening in here? I want to know. <laughs> and I think that's part of it too. It makes sense. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Make your customers smile and the rest will want to join the crowd. It's like, that's, that's the best part of it. Really, really cool. And moving into like the smiling crowd of your clients, we move into the smiling crowd of the people at Chili Piper and talking a little, little bit about the personal brands. We talk a lot personal brand versus company brand. We see both for Chili Piper. But the question that we thought of was, could you talk a little bit about why personal brands are the game changers for companies? Yes. I think um, social media managers know this very well. Like, it's very hard to grow a company account. The rules are very different. That's, you know, the start of this conversation. It's like 10 times harder to grow a company account than it is to grow a personal brand. And there's a reason for it. I think that uh, in the way the world works now, we trust our peers more than we trust brands nowadays. We know brands will say whatever they have to say to sell. We know that. Mm -hmm. And you already are like, oh, this is what, you know, like, no. And that's why we prefer to believe humans, other, you know, people like you. Uh, that's why personal brands are so important, even to power company brands, because, you know, we trust what other people say. Uh, I think I, I could give an example here. Like uh, maybe on my personal account, I can get like 3,000 impressions a month. And maybe Chili Viper having like more than 10 times my following gets that only four times. 
there's a lot of impact to what one person has to say versus what a company has to say. And I think it all, it all goes back to that, you know, like people trust people more than ever. And they, they are, you know, we're trying to break a little bit of this with our, the way we do social in, in Chili Piper, but I think people are more inclined to believe other humans. And this all goes back to also like the conversation we have with the dark panel. And maybe Arthur can talk a little bit more about that, you know, being the head of the dark social, of that social here. And yeah, it is definitely about that. People not trusting brands that much. And employees being able to have a personal brand where they talk from their experiences. And it, I think it also breaks a barrier. You know, is I always talk about how brands need to be to feel more human in order to actually make an impact. And humans don't have to pretend to be a human to make an impact. So personal brand is, you know, it, th there's a barrier already that just destroyed by you being a person talking about a problem that other person might have. Yeah, the, the stat of like at any point in time, one to three percent of people are in market for what you have really rings true to me because um, this is actually something I thought a lot about when I did make the switch over from sales to marketing is that there's so few people that are actively looking for your solution or a solution similar to yours. So how do we start to affect the other 97 to 99%? I think a lot of it is through personal branding and company branding, right? Like so that when they are finally in a position to evaluate, you're the first brand that they think about. And it's almost like a done deal. It's like, hey, like as soon as I have budget for this, I'm going to go to Chili Piper because I've seen the brand. I saw how they interact with people. I see how excited people are, the results they're getting. It really makes it like a no-brainer. And I was seeing this from the sales side, and it kind of scared the shit out of me, to be honest, where it was like, okay, as a sales rep, I'm having less and less impact on the buyer journey. Now these people have access to their peers. They're going to go straight there. They're not going to like listen to what I say because I'm super biased. And I thought to myself, okay, if I don't have a strong personal brand, if I don't have a good network that is willing to refer me and saying, hey, you should talk to Arthur because some of his uh, clients got these results. I was thinking like in five years time as a sales rep, I wasn't going to sell anything. So to me, I started to think, okay, how do I be more involved in these conversations that my buyers are having, whether that's through community, whether that's through social. And I think the way people are even consuming content has changed. I think... A lot of the time we would click off to a blog or a video, long form video. Now it's all about I'm staying within the feed and I'm consuming content mm. there. So how do we now start to change our content strategy so people can actually consume and we can educate them or entertain them right from where they're already consuming content. So all of those reasons to me, it was like, you have to invest in personal brand. It's going to be a main differentiator now and companies are going to want to buy your product when they finally are in market. And then I do, I truly do feel like five years from now, if you're not on board with this, your company is going to struggle tremendously, which ultimately is going to be good for brands like us because we're really doubling down on this and, and we're starting to see the results. But that's no different than when we used to in sales. We would call, we'd have our territory, we'd work our territory, understanding those buying cycles. And so that we were familiar. So when they were ready, if it was time to go and switch or if it, they just had budget in that timeline, we'd call back or they would call us. But that was always one-to-one. -one. Yeah. How cool is it now that we can do this one-to-many, if not do it even better because of social proof? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I know my peer, they're commenting on their stuff, saying how great they are. Of course, I'm going to go and go with them over anyone else. We would have killed for that. Yeah. You know, maybe in networking and face-to-face -face, or there was more people in the room, you might get that. Somebody like speaking high of you. But social, like, just added a 10x to everything. Yeah, it's the maturity of the internet and how we've come, like, even LinkedIn, if you think about it, five years back, it's probably still a digital resume. Now I'm communicating with you both, of like, hey, I'm super excited for this. What are we going to talk about? Or other people are messaging me. And I think there's also something to be said about, like, even people that don't necessarily engage with what you're posting out there. I can't tell you how many DMs I've gotten of people that, I thought never engage with my content. And they're like, hey, that was really interesting. I'd be interested in learning more about Chili Piper. I'm like, huh, I never would have known. So yeah, it's a crazy time we're living in. But I think with the maturity of the internet and the rise of communities, like you're right, Nicholas, this allows us to amplify. And I'll, it has got me to rethink like 
what even maybe a demo is. How do we almost create a demo experience for one-to-many instead of that one-to-one where back in the day, that's how people learn about products. But I think there's other unique avenues through social, through dark social, dark funnel, all of those um, that people can come to resonate with your message and, and want to learn more about your product. I love this. And I feel like this next question ties in really well, but it's kind of a tough one. And I would love to get your guys' opinion on it. Do you think the drive for efficiency is killing social media? Hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Rayelle? Should I go? Um, there's a part of efficiency when you have to accept there are things that can be measured as you know, part of it. But I think that it won't kill social media. It's something the opposite. Social media is about being organic and natural. And that's actually the success of social media when you have a good strategy in place. So I don't think so. But I think that they can both live together perfectly. What do you think, Arthur? Um, I think with, with anything that seems to be working, people are always trying to find a shortcut. So I think like... People might read of a company having success doing social selling, and then that becomes the flavor of the month. And they're saying, how do we now create this framework where we can almost make our employees robots where they're actively social selling? So I think the mindset of why you're doing it really, really impacts it. I think if people are saying, hey, we need to do this to sell and hit our growth goals and all of that, that's going to shine through in your content. For us, um, we did have such a unique company culture, such a culture of trust and empowerment that we wanted to show that off. And as a result, like people started to come back to that. And then to your question earlier, Laura, of like employee advocacy versus social selling, I think that started the snowball effect of, oh, we have a lot of fun. And now we can actually layer that with a little bit of social selling. And I know our SDOs are super creative with how they reach out to people. And a lot of it is with this mentality of like, let's deposit a couple of things before we ask for a withdrawal. Not everything's about getting a demo and not everybody's going to be actively buying at that moment in time. But again, if we can stay top of mind, if we can make them smile, like Mario was talking about, it creates this brand affinity that people are like, huh, okay, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is about. Or maybe they go to our website and they start researching and they say, actually, this seems really interesting. Yeah, maybe I will take a look at this. So I think... To your question, Nicholas, uh, does efficiency kill the social game? I think if you're going in with it with a mindset of, oh, we need to do this in order to sell, absolutely. But I think if you're going in and saying, hey, we have a unique angle or we have such a fun company culture that we want to share with the world and then layering a little bit of social selling on top of that, that's what seems to have worked with us really well. Such great answers. And it's so true. It is definitely that mindset. Hey, like... How many, how many times do you scroll through LinkedIn, see company stuff or using sales nav and you're following people and you're trying to go in and comment and you just get a post about a post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're on LinkedIn just because you felt like you needed to <laughs> or like you, it, you can feel it. It feels very like you guys were talking about earlier. It's, it's not human. It's disingenuous. Like it, it feels out of place. Transactional almost, right? Yeah. Anybody wants to see this done well, check out Chili Piper. Like you can tell that it's social first. You could tell that it's, you guys really are hyping people. I don't know, like a proper term for like the hype masters. But if you look at like, <laughs> really, it's what's what you guys do. Like, it's really cool how you're bringing your customers back. And like, look how amazing these people are. It's like proper storytelling, too. Like, we're not the heroes. They're the hero. We're the guide that are making along the journey with them. And it's so good. We got uh, a good question here that I think sales navigator just. <laughs> you're not wrong. Okay. Arthur Marioli, for those of us who are camera shy, is it essential to go on camera? Are there other ways to build your personal brand, especially as a solopreneur? Great question. I'd say no. You think it's essential to be on camera? I don't think so. If, if you have something to say and find a format where you're comfortable, if it's writing, it's okay. If it's through memes, it's okay. And yeah, just find what works for you. Social media is also about being, I think, yourself. Try to find, you know, what works for you? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think um, it's whatever you enjoy or whatever even gets it started. I think often 
we're even losing the battle before we begin and we're asking ourselves questions like, oh, I can never make it. Like, I'm camera shy. Okay, maybe you're really good at writing. I'd argue that probably a lot of authors couldn't necessarily do a video podcast because they know how to communicate through the written word versus video. So I wouldn't say it is. I'd say find your swim lane, find something you enjoy. I do see a benefit in video in that you can create something like this where it's a long form content. We've been here almost 50 minutes, which is crazy. It's like flown by. But now we can take snippets of this and create maybe 10 posts for ourselves that we spray out through our two weeks. So I think there's benefit to it, but by no means do I think it's essential. I think you can come out of your shyness. I know I had a huge fear of public speaking and slowly over time and exposing myself to that fear, it's gotten a lot better. But no, ultimately, like find wherever you feel comfortable sharing either experiences or sharing your journey. A lot of people start off with written and then get comfortable with video after. Yeah, lots of examples that on LinkedIn, people started just being consistent. A good book that I would recommend is Seth Godin's The Practice. Just show up, just show up consistently. Mm. And the more you show up, the better you'll get. My favorite lines from him is if I waited to the I had a great post, I would never post at all. Because how all you guys, like, how often have you posted something and you're looking back and you're like, that was not my best. <laughs> but then how many times have you posted something and you thought that and then it blew up and you're like, I, I just don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> many. Happened. That's the answer. And many happens, you know, you'll have good posts and bad posts. And I, I, I guess sometimes it's also about the ways people like to receive something. So it's yeah, it's very variable. I have written posts that I go like, Ugh, and then it's like people like it. I'm like, oh, really? Nice surprise. But you know, this is a big part of social media. Understanding that it's not only about what you like, but also the ways other people want to interact with the message you're putting out there. Okay, so this this leads into something I want to go and add in too. So I'm so glad you brought this up. So Seth Godin was doing a he was looking at like the top ten shows that were on TV and how they change over 10 years and not one of them was the same. And he noticed that the ones that did stay or like were somewhat in, they were never in the top 10, but the ones that stayed around were very niche. And one of the things I pulled out of that podcast is that you guys do this really well is you lean in when everyone is running away. So like social injustice or like those really big conversations that really tie into who you guys are as a your corporate identity, your brand, that bigger picture of where you fit into the world, you guys lean in when everyone is getting out. That must feel amazing. Yeah. I mean, this, this goes credit to our founders. And Nicholas always says something that's really resonated with me. And I think some of it comes from his experience. Um, he has had, I think, two or three successful exits in the past, and I'm sure a lot of learnings along the way. But he talks about Chili Piper not as just a company, but it's this journey that we're all on. And Nicholas and Alina both know that they can do so much with the company. Sure, we can like look to hit growth goals and become a, a unicorn and all of that, but then what? Right? And they have this passion to serve the world and have a huge impact. And they created a foundation, Citizens of Our Planet, that we've donated to a lot of these causes. So I feel they've done such a great job of like bringing on high performers that are aligned to this mission of Chili Piper, but also knowing that it doesn't end there. It's like, okay, now that we're a successful company, we can actually have a bigger impact on the world than a lot of these issues that we feel so passionate about. So all credit goes to them. They've they've done a fantastic job of like having that vision and then instilling it across the, the entire company. It's amazing. When you guys are posting, especially from the company page, do you ever get that like reluctance to say what you want to say on like big topics? Not really. <laughs> I think that like what Arthur said is just uh, on point. It goes back to our founders. And this is somehow their vision, you know, of trying to find a way to be helpful, which is one of our core values at Chili Viper. So it really makes sense with our brand. And it's very rare and special to have founders who want to help people because I feel like most people would like to do that or most people would be happy to celebrate people who do this. So I think it's also going to be a 
trend in the future uh, as new generations caring more about social causes and everything. Mm. I think we millennials kind of started this, but the next generation is probably going to take it to a new level. And I think companies should definitely start thinking that the, you know, the audience is going to respond only to companies who are willing to stand for something and say, why you know, and do things to help the world and, and actually stand for what they believe in. Fantastic. So, yeah, we believe in the, in these causes that we post about. So I've never been reluctant to post about it. Amazing. You know, we talk about like cold calling and like outreach as in sales and building that familiarity out in the world so that people want you in a world where we have so much choice right now. It's really easy to see why you guys are the top choice when it mm -hmm. comes to scheduling. So you guys have done such an incredible job. And guys, in the comments, everyone that's here, if we have five more minutes left, does anybody has anything they want to ask really quick? Throw it in there and I'll make sure we get to ask. Laura, did you have any burning questions for these two that you've been sitting there so patiently waiting to ask? Not really. I think we've touched upon a lot of things. I, I really, really like and love the brand that you have created and the fact that yeah, I've learned about you without even knowing what you were actually doing. It's like that, that was the coolest one. So now, not really. And I think we've covered most of it. So if there are any questions in the chat, then let's do that. Okay. Well, what I'll do is I'll flip the mic to you guys. Do you have any questions either for us or the audience? Ooh, okay. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind is what has been your biggest learning since doing the B2B power? Oh, showing up consistently and being curious will take you anywhere you want to go in life. Yeah. The second biggest learning is there's something about having a podcast that makes the untouchable approachable. It is the most amazing thing when you can go to Morgan's in the chat, so I can't say who, but we have a <laughs> we have somebody coming up soon that we're going to be announcing. And I just reached out to him and asked, I was like, hey, would you like to join us for a chat? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And if you don't do it for your company, you should do it for yourself to have a podcast or have an outlet for learning because it makes you a better person. And I feel like your discovery skills also get a lot better, but that that's a side point. Laura, what do you what about yourself? I'm very curious. Yeah, you were so friendly and nice to invite me to these power hours that we're doing once in a while about social. And one of the biggest learnings for me was that people are that are across on the other side of the ocean, wherever they are in the world, they can become really close working friends with you. Like we're having one-on-ones with Nick every week. I've never known this guy. First, I've known about their podcast that I got in, invited to the podcast, spoke with Morgan. And this community is absolutely amazing. And from there is like the exposure to your own personal brand. You can take it anywhere. So if you've created it for yourself, like Nicholas is saying, you either do it for yourself or for the company you work for, wherever you go, it will follow you. People will know you for not for the t-shirt you're wearing, but for the way you are there in social media, how present you are, what you stand for. Are you afraid to post? Are you touching on those scary topics that nobody wants to actually talk about? And then it's easier to, to be both approached and approach others. Every time Nick is talking about like, who should we talk to next? When he mentioned Chili Piper, should we invite Chili Piper to this? I said, Nick, are you sure? I never can told Arthur about this. <laughs> so I was like, can we get to talk to those people? I was like, yeah, let me try out. I was like a couple of hours after, I said, we've got this. Like, okay. <laughs> but that doesn't happen in sales ever. So it's like another level of success that is coming up with being able to do live shows like this. So thank you for this, Nicholas. And thank you for being with us, Mary and Arthur. So for me, it was like the craziest honor. Oh, man. Oh, I'm glad I pleasure. asked the question. <laughs> it was a great one. Laura was very excited. It was kind of, this is a fun little like ending story. So Laura's like, who should we have next? And I'm like, why don't we do Chili Piper? And so I, I reached out and that next meeting with us talking, she's like, oh my God, I can't believe we get to go and do Chili Piper. They're amazing. And like, so we fangirled a little bit. More than <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> let's, let's be serious. <laughs> but uh, yeah. You guys are amazing and we really appreciate it. 
But I think maybe just before we go, is there anything that you guys have learned from being on social that you would like, if, if there was inspiration and somebody needed that last little push to be comfortable to be themselves, to be like, go and do social, what would be your parting words of wisdom to get them to make that jump? We all have something to say. We're made up our experiences and we all have a new take on whatever in any topic. Yeah, that's what I would say. I like that a lot. I think a lot of people want to have a voice on social media and it can be intimidating. What I did is I tried to find my tribe and just engage with their posts. I feel like anybody that's posting on LinkedIn or any other social media platform wants to see their content uh, distributed and supported. So I became kind of, yeah, similar, I guess, to Chili Piper Strategy, a hype man for a lot of other people out there to the point where I found my tribe and I felt comfortable sharing a little bit of my journey and what happened. Well, they reciprocated and they were there to, to lift me up. So I think it's a great place to start commenting, liking people, thought-provoking questions, what you got from their posts that really stuck out to you. It means a lot to the people that are posting it and it's a great way to get started. And I would just say, asking, asking you shall receive. Like, I love that story, Nicholas, because I think so many times we, we get in our head of why not to do something. Mm. And the least you can do is just ask and see what happens. And I promise you, you'd be surprised 80% of the time, I'd say it works. People that I feel like I had no business uh, talking to or responding to me. Now I'm on text basis with people that like I've looked up to for years. So I think there's such a power of, of showing up and just asking and seeing where that'll take you. And don't let that mental battle overwhelm you of saying, like giving you reasons of to, what not to do something. Just ask and see what happens. And I'm, I'm sure 80% of the time it'll actually work in your favor. Love it. Now everyone's inspired to go and do social. <laughs> where should they follow you guys? How can they connect with you just before we go and jump off the show here? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn probably the most, and maybe Marioli will get me on the, the ticky game soon, but that's where, where you can find me for now. <laughs> I haven't seen you there yet. Not yet. Catch up to Nick Bennett. Not yet. He's promising here. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn too, and of course, follow Chili Piper, and you'll see everything that we are creating. Seriously, guys, go follow Chili. Chili Piper on LinkedIn, TikTok, and Instagram. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And you guys have been absolutely amazing. And we really appreciate you joining us today. <laughs> Just like going through and like commenting on your posts and getting to know you guys through social, you guys are authentic to who you are. It's amazing. I feel like I knew, I've known you guys for a long time and that's thanks to social, so... Really appreciate you guys. And I hopefully we can do this again soon. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.